Hey everyone, this is Asbet Bedrosian. Hey, this is Hovik Manucharyan. And we're talking with Gevis Gajian on the latest conditions and events during the Artsakh blockade. Gevis with the ANC in Artsakh, nagorno karabakh He lives in Stepanagerd. Today is April 28, 2023, and this is the 138th day of the Artsakh blockade. Hello, how are you, Gev? Hi, Gev. I'm doing well. Hopefully you guys are doing well as well. Thanks for joining us in these troubling times. So, Gev... On April 23rd, on the eve of the 108th commemorations of the Armenian Genocide, Azerbaijan added insult to injury and put up a military checkpoint to block the Lachin Corridor at the Armenian border. Everyone has condemned this move, which also goes against the letter of the November 2020 trilateral agreement, which Aliyev signed with Putin and Pashinyan. Also, just yesterday, these Azeri pretend eco-activists left the region. There was ample evidence that these people were government and non-government operatives bust in to block the corridor. But anyway, the corridor is now blocked effectively by Azerbaijan's armed forces. Armenia has so far rejected holding discussions with Azerbaijan on conditions for reopening the corridor and has instead called for Azerbaijan and Russia to abide by the trilateral agreement. Can you tell us the effect of all this on our Artsakhsi compatriots? How are they getting by day to day and how are they doing right now? Yeah, I think one, when we were talking about the blockade before, it was something that was imposed because of the, you know, ramifications of a quote unquote eco activism or whatever farce that they were pushing, that type of action that was mainly, you know, carried on by civilians working with the government, Azerbaijani civilians. Today, when we're talking about the actual checkpoint, we're talking about a military installation there, something that is more serious, something that is actively enforceable and then the second part of this is that there were if you guys are aware there's like four villages in the beginning of Artsakh that weren't completely cut off from Armenia during this quote-unquote eco-activist protest right now they're completely cut off from both Armenia and Artsakh and I think that uh, that situation is a real real humanitarian crisis I mean what what was going on in Artsakh was bad but you're talking about four isolated villages population centers that are cut off from both sides of the sphere. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's four villages or six villages, but we've heard from their mayors who have said that they are completely cut off from all sides to um, any Armenian civilization. And and another one, if there are others, you guys can mention it, but that's what I've heard so far. Yeah, so I think it's important to point out that after four months, officially, more than four months, the sort of fake eco-ter- you know, eco-terrorists or eco-activists controlled by the Aliyev regime have now been replaced. In their place are standing uh, Azerbaijani police on the, on the near the Shushi segment of the Lachin Corridor. And as we mentioned several days ago, the Azerbaijani military installed an actual military checkpoint right in front of the Russian base uh, at the entrance to the Lachin Corridor. The Russians condemned it and said that Azerbaijanis should uh, remove the checkpoint, although then that was followed up by a flag-raising ceremony, which probably to me indicates that uh, Azerbaijan is hell-bent on keeping that checkpoint. And we also remember that over the past years, as this issue has cropped up over and over, Russia, through various different officials, including Lavrov, has said that under no circumstances was the checkpoint agreed upon and the, the Lachin Corridor is a, is a corridor that should allow people and goods to move back and forth without any control. Uh, but now we have this. 
And what's very confusing is that Azerbaijan, Bayramov, is saying that Armenia and Azerbaijan were discussing or had agreed to set up a joint checkpoint. I don't want to repeat the words of a terrorist state leader, but I think it's important in the context of Asped mentioned, started the discussion saying that um, Armenia has rejected any negotiation. But I have heard this statement through various different people privy to the negotiation process that through the Washington-sponsored talks, there was some kind of a discussion about a a jointly manned checkpoint outside of Russian control. Uh, but, you know, I think even a few months ago, Lavrov said that, you know, there should be no checkpoints on the corridor. So what can you tell us like about this uh, scenario? And if there was no such dis- discussion, then why doesn't Armenian, why don't Armenian authorities explicitly deny this? Um, you know, the, the answers they gave were a little bit um, yeah. ambiguous. So, you know, I can't speak to what went on in Prague, but I can tell you guys, you know, to a degree, speaking from from and with sources in Washington that are, you know, involved within the foreign and diplomatic process there, uh, that the idea of a checkpoint that is manned by Azerbaijan and uh, Azerbaijani and Armenian troops, uh, that was something that folks in Washington floated. Um, and I would say that, again, I don't know what agreements were made, but I would say that people in Washington wouldn't relinquish that information if, at the very least, talks hadn't occurred around that issue. And we know that the new uh, leader of the peacekeeping forces that was changed, essentially, just yesterday, Lensov, uh, was negotiating with both the authorities in Artsakh, Azerbaijan, and today he was in Armenia negotiating with the, the uh, Minister of Defense. Do we have any information on what was discussed there? Uh, that information I'm not fully privy to, but I can tell you guys that let have just arrived in Artsakh a few hours ago. So I feel like it wasn't something like where he went to Armenia, had a few days of discussions. I think that whatever the Russian game plan is, they are looking to implement it as quickly as possible. Because this morning, he was in talks with Armenian government officials, and today he was already in Artsakh. Kev, are there any expectations from on the part of the Artsakhi government as far as what kind of difference Lensov makes over Volkov? Look, I, I can tell you guys that, you know, it would be disingenuous to say that, you know, everyone's happy with Volkov's performance here. At times, uh, he seemed weak. At times, he seemed uh, late to react on certain things. And that might be due to measures beyond Volkov's control, or that might be due to incompetence. We really don't know. But the general atmosphere, I would say, is more hopeful with the new general that's coming in. So there's that. And he also has a, a more of a stern reputation. But again, we're talking about literally the first few hours of his deployment in Artsakh. And I think the next, you know, 24, 48, 72 hours will be telling. I forgot to ask you at the start of the show what the living conditions are currently. Has anything changed now that spring has bloomed? Actually, guys, I was in Mardaket like four or five days ago. The, mm-hmm. the Sarsank Reservoir is dried up to where the oh. to the point where you can see you know, like the dirt patches before it was covered in water. Some good news, though, the last three, four days, we've had nonstop rain, at least for a certain portion of the day. So that's good. Um, As spring comes around, you also have 
some of the agricultural crops that we, we didn't have during the winter that we were reliant on, you know, mm-hmm. coming in from Armenia. So that natural sustainability is a little bit more there. But again, the big concern now are those villages that are completely cut off from everything that we mentioned earlier. They have no access to Artsakh. They have no access to Armenia. And I'm pretty concerned because even today there were news items that mentioned that Artsakh farmers have been fired upon. Again, just today. I was looking at our previous conversation and they had been fired upon. And we mentioned this in our previous show a couple of weeks ago. And again, day after day, these guys are getting fired on. Absolutely. And just it's pattern behavior. Yeah. Uh, last question, quick question, but um, I don't want to be too alarmist, but uh, if we remember this whole blockade started and was accompanied with a list of demands from Azerbaijan, unofficial, although one of them, if you remember, was removal of Ruben Vartanian check. Another one was seizing the activities of the mine checked. And uh, another one was to establish a checkpoint. And unfortunately, that was also uh, accomplished by force by Azerbaijan. What I'm worried about, and I, I guess what some are worried about, is Azerbaijan taking it to the next level because another one of their demands was the demilitarization of Artsakh. And how likely do you see Azerbaijan actually being emboldened enough to go maybe even escalations militarily to try to accomplish that objective? I mean, how are the authorities in Artsakh preparing the population for any possible attack like that? When we talk about like what Azerbaijan's goals are here, the answer is as simple as can be. Their their goals are to take everything that they can, whether it's the ethnic cleansing of this population. Uh, before that, you have to get to the complete demilitarization of Artsakh. I think all of those things are part of their game plan, whether that can be actualized because of certain factors uh, like international, you know, attention on this issue, the Russian peacekeeping contingency, the new general, that's another thing. But as we move forward, we have to always operate on the premise that that is their goal. And if they can resort to violence to get to there, they will. Now, there are a few things that hinder that. The biggest thing is 2,000 troops uh, from the Russian contingency that's here. But uh, again, nothing should be uh, taken off the table in terms of uh, what we think Azerbaijan will use. If, if someone were to ask us five, six months ago uh, about all of these things that happened in the recent months, we would have known that those were their goals. But very few people could have predicted all of those things to happen in such a you know rapid uh, fashion. So yes, all of those things are real possibilities. Yes, that is their end goal. They've, they've mentioned it and they continuously mention it. Even they use that as a pretense for their checkpoint that they want to set up, that the demilitarization of Artsakh is one of their highest priorities. However, you know, it's on us to do some, uh, by us, I can't even say the Armenian government, <laughs> but, you know, with the forces that be to do the proper diplomatic wrangling to prevent that. And it's also on the Russian peacekeepers whose uh, presence here is for that reason, to, to keep those things away. Gev, over the last couple of weeks since we last talked, both governments, uh, the government in Baku and the government in Stepanagerd, have offered to each other to come to talks about different topics, and both sides have rejected. And one of the things that happened over the last couple of days is that Azerbaijan said that Artsakh should either accept Azerbaijani citizenship or just leave the region, basically leave their homeland. What's your sense in Stepanagerd, since you are among the people over there, do you see anybody who would actually accept Azerbaijani citizenship, or do you see anyone who thinks about leaving their homes? 
I personally, in terms of the question of Azerbaijani citizenship, I, I deal with dozens of people per day, hundreds of people a week. I haven't run across anyone that's mentioned that. And in fact, I was talking to a few residents today about the scenario of, let's say the protesters are gone. There is a checkpoint that you can use, but it's manned by Azeri soldiers. They were so adamant on the point that, you know what, it's better that we don't use the checkpoint manned by Azeri soldiers than, you know, benefit from uh, using it. So not only are, are they not inclined to take on Azeri citizenship, but they, they would rather deal with an elongated blockade than use an Azeri checkpoint, let alone Azeri citizenship. Okay. Let's leave it there for today. Let's get back together and talk about these topics as they progress. Sounds good, guys. Bye, Gev. Bye-bye.